This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. The Waikato Regional Council's Climate Action Roadmap has been released to the public and is now available on their website. It identifies nine pathways to reduce emissions and adapt to the changes we're already experiencing here in the Waikato. We're now being joined by Jennifer Nicol, a Waikato Regional Councillor and a Chair of the Climate Committee to talk about what this means. Kia ora, Jen. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for joining us. Um, and yeah. uh, congratulations, you've now been in council for about a year. How has it gone? Absolutely. It's um, been great, actually. I've, I've, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get in for when you um, get elected, I think, always. But um, it's been really, really enjoyable to see how um, you know a group of people can come together, make some decisions. I mean, it's not it's not always smooth, but it's, it's definitely... Um, really really good to see that there's some good um, democracy at play and and getting some decisions made. And I can imagine that this climate action roadmap has taken up a significant part of the year. Yeah so we we, early on when we got together we um, decided what our six strategic themes would be and it was pretty clear that climate was going to be one of them. Uh, So since then it's um, permeated really into um, all of our conversations in um, various committees and and the work that council does, so it's really elevated um, something that's always been due to the you know scientific um, necessity of um, action on this being in the background, but it's really brought it to the front. And um, yeah, it's great to see. So we're all learning a lot about it, and and now we have a way of communicating um, with others about it as well. Since we've managed to put a line in the sand of saying what our stand is and wanting to start that conversation with stakeholders uh, in a formal, uh, in a more formal way of, of being like, hey, where are you guys at? How can we help? Um, how can we work together to get some work done? So we'll talk about the Climate Action Roadmap in a moment. I just want to come back to something that you said before when you talked about um, climate action is now a part of the conversation in all committees. So is that in a formal sense or it just seems to come up as part of your conversations? Um, it, it tends to come... So one of the first decisions that we made in the Climate Action Committee, which was adopted by the whole council, was to um, take climate change considerations, whether that be mitigation or adaptation, um, into all of our decision-making. And so whenever there's a report that comes to our full council, um, there will be a section on um, what to consider um, in regards to climate change in that, and hence it comes up. Yeah, and so, so we have a chat about it. So instead of pigeonholing climate action to some aspects of your work, it's now considered in a much wider range of the conversations happening there. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, it's one of those things where you're not just going to go off and do a little bit of climate action work on the <laughs> side here, like an extra department or an extra budget or or extra at all. It's, it's just considering and all the things that we have to deliver on, how can we deliver on them um, in a smart way? to uh, not undermine any, you know, things that need to happen towards um, tackling climate change mm. or, or support them further. So, so yeah, can, can you tell us a what, really successful one. 
Can you tell us the purpose of the Climate Action Roadmap? I guess in a sense who it's for and what you hope will come of it. Yep, so it's for all of our stakeholders to see um, how we've pulled together the information um, based on uh, pretty much all of our um, staff knowledge on the map, on the topic alongside um, the way that they've been checking in kind of um, on the side informally with everyone else, where are you at and what are, you know, where is everyone at in the region uh, to a degree and and bring that together so that we can then more formally uh, form some partnerships um, and, and join together to work on it together. The clear message of it is we are not going to, as the Waikato Regional Council, achieve anything on this on our own. So um, here's just something as a discussion document, a starting point to bring everybody in and say, well, based on what we do, our sphere of influence that we have in the world, uh, these are the known ways or pathways that we um, can really make a difference, we think. And so if you fit into one, two or any of those, uh, really keen to talk to you and want to want to get together and figure some things out and put them into action. So is this considered... A live document, one that will change as you have fed in more information or a starting point for uh, future plans? Um, yeah, so one of the really um, cool things that have already been happening even since before I came on the scene is that the Waikato Regional Council has um, undertaken a greenhouse gas inventory of the region. To, you know, it's, it's the best um, guess uh, to see where emissions are coming from and see where things need to, um, you know, get adjusted to a degree. And so what this does is just put it into context of that. And so wherever, um, say, um, you are in the Waikato, hopefully there's a way that you can fit into this to, um, to work with us, really. Sure. And what might you see that looking like for, I guess, the average city dweller? Yeah, so for example, that greenhouse gas inventory also had a breakdown for Hamilton City, and so they um, got their data also. And um, so, for example, one of the big greenhouse gas emission issues in Hamilton City are um, transport emissions. And so one of the pathways that's mentioned in the roadmap is transport and the future of that. And so there's a lot of discussion happening in that space. And so you, I would say you can expect to see some changes over time as to how public transport is delivered and um, how I suppose, but I guess it's more of a um, really joint effort between the people that determine the infrastructure on transport, like the city council and the people who deliver public transport, such as ourselves. So to yeah. say, there seems to be often quite a bit of crossover uh, in transport and other things that you do between <laughs> yes. uh, regional and city. So you are talking. Uh, we can rest assured that you're not off on your own doing your no, own absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And it's going to be really great when we move into the new building in the city centre um, as early next year that um, will be very close to Hamilton City Council. So um, pretty much, you know, the opportunity to have lunch together is even easier than when we were over in Hamilton East like now. <laughs> you make it sound like Hamilton East is ages away. It's like 10 minutes, but still, I get your point how much I know, easier. But it's literally like a two-minute walk instead of a 15-minute walk. <laughs> sure. So, um, yeah. Uh, look, I, I like to bring it back to accountability. So how can residents know and what can we do to ensure that um, this is not a coffee table book? 
so um, we are, I guess that's the thing that we're, uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like, oh, it's another report, and, and I hate that as much as anyone, but um, what I'm really feeling excited about is that we're, just like with that decision-making in our council reports um, involving a climate change consideration, this is like like that in the sense that it gives that common narrative that then others could plug into. So it's kind of more of a systemic change that you know staff and others, um, whether city or a district council, can read this and look at how their work might feed in with it um, to come up with projects that we can jointly work on, or say in the um, in industry sectors can look at it and say, well, based on these three pathways, let's start a conversation with the regional council. So it's really quite necessary to have one of these, uh, to have that common language. Mm. Yeah, so that systemic stuff's really important because this isn't just going to be a three-year project. It's, it's pretty much setting us up for a few decades of, of effort Forever, towards those really 2030, 2050 goals. <laughs> yeah. Climate action's not going to go away, so it is with yeah. us. Um, and finally, are the Waikato, well not finally, there's actually two parts to this interview, but finally in this part, are the Waikato yep. Regional Council on track to divest from fossil fuels as part of the 350 open letter that you may or may not be aware of? Yeah, so I'm aware that there's a letter and that they um, are looking to present to one of our committees. Um, my current understanding of that is that it's actually going to our finance committee, which is you know another yep. great way to show that this isn't something that gets pigeonholed into the Climate Action Committee but actually goes to the relevant committee where we talk about the relevant topic. Mm. Uh, so uh, that uh, uh, deputation presentation is still to happen uh, so we haven't chatted about that one in particular but we have had a look at the investment policies recently and that's still ongoing but the conversation is coming up about all of that stuff. You know, divesting and um, even sustainable um, finance or sustainable investment is one of the pathways in the roadmap. So it's Excellent. very much there. You'll be um, walking the talk. So we, that one's yeah, pretty much, we'll call that a done deal. <laughs> no, it's one of those things where, um, you know, to make uh, the meaningful changes uh, long term, we'll, we'll have to consult with the community on and so forth. Yeah. So uh, we can only put it up there and then see what happens. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so there are currently residents in Pookie Meadow and Glen Afton with nausea, migraines, breathing difficulties and sleeplessness and even taking to sleeping in cars as a result of a, a fire that's been burning at um, a dump site for the yep. last couple of months. I think it started in August. What but is August, yes. the uh, Waikato Regional Council's role in this and what is your understanding of, um, I guess, yeah, what's happening at the moment? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been really um, proud of the Regional Council very recently um, for deciding to take the lead on putting together an incident management team to look at what can be done to put that fire out. Uh, so just, but to start at the beginning, um, I mean, essentially, you know, fire appears one day and and what would happen is that, you know, fire and emergency kind of get called in to um, look at putting the fire out. Uh, they, they they did look into that, um, but um, it's actually not that easy to do because it's a very complex site. Um, and so over time, um, people were starting to wonder, well, if, if they can't just go on there and do it, um, then 
how how else are we going to make this happen? And so it kind of ended up being this one of these terrible situations where you've got several agencies who could be involved all the way from mm. the EPA to the regional council to the district council to fire and emergency to work safe, etc. And um, as you can imagine, the trying to figure out between them as to who's got what part to play, it can kind of drag on. So what regional council has recently done is say, you know what, the right thing to do here is for somebody to just take a leadership role um, and while we want to hold this person um, accountable if there's something to be held accountable for, uh, and, and obviously there is an effect on a community, um, I realise that's quite obvious, but we as a regulator have to always you know, look at things very objectively, then um, that, that's great that our role is to, to hold somebody to account if need be, but that's actually not going to put the fire out in the short term. So while we look at the long-term path that we take with, with take, undergoing an investigation and so forth, what really needs to happen is to get people working on this issue and um, pulling together the right resources from all those several agencies to understand what, uh, I guess, triggers there are in the legislation to be able to go onto that site, what um, what safety planning has to be done in order to um, go on to there as well and, and also work with the landowner, try to... So, yeah, it's, it's been quite complex, but yeah. I'm really happy to hear that um, somebody's taking charge of it. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. I mean, any time we hear councils or entities fob it off to another council entity, nobody has patience for that. So it is good to hear the Waikato Regional Council is uh, leading that, um, I guess, that, yeah. that co- the coordination of who needs to do what and when. And hopefully, uh, like yesterday, uh, because we, we have to remember the people involved whose lives are hugely impacted on by this. So is there any sense of when there might be the fire might be put out to start with? <laughs> yeah, um, so what I'm told when I get briefed on it is that um, unfortunately it is, it is a really complex fire, like an underground mm. type fire in a landfill or, or a, a cleanfill landfill where um, you, you don't really know what could be there and so it would be incredibly dangerous to just um, <laughs> go into this wasteland unknown territory and and put people at risk. It's, it's one of those things where it will take a couple of weeks to pull together a safety plan. But on top of that, we need to know how can we get onto the site um, and so forth. But when I say we, I don't mean the regional council. I mean um, some of these other agencies like mm-hmm. fire and emergency. Um, and at the same time, we're investigating it from several avenues as to whether it's you know protecting the environment, but also from that health perspective mm-hmm. um, through the district um, health board. But yeah, I really, really feel for that community. And I mean, I, I'm happy to know there's an incident management team in place, which is much better than a month ago. Yeah. So we just kind of have to let them work it out, I guess. But, okay. but no, I have no real sense of timing. Okay. Um, Other than that, they know it's very urgent. <laughs> You'd like to yeah. think that, I guess, just for people sitting there thinking, why is it taking so long? Uh, but you've outlined yeah. some of those complications. Um, Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. And let's keep in touch and yeah, <laughs> have you on the show more often so we can hear what is happening at the Waikato Regional Council. It sounds like some good work. Absolutely. And um, we could also um, invite uh, Councillor Sarah Thompson again sometime because mm. it's really great getting 
it was really fun being on here with you uh, with her last time to give you that whole Hamilton perspective. Awesome, we'll make that happen. Um, Jen, thank cool. you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you. Uh, that's Jennifer Nichols. She's a councillor at the Wakato Regional Council and chair of their, cli- uh, their climate committee, um, giving us a bit of an update on the Pukki Meadow fire as well. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/slash Free FM eighty nine to find out more.